Welcome back, everybody, to Your Creativity. This is Dylan, and I'm here with Steve. What's up? What's up? What's up? We're doing another in-person interview because we're out of COVID, right? Everything's solved? No, we're not really out of COVID, Dylan. No, no, no offense. Like, you're drinking the, the, the Kool-Aid. It's good Kool-Aid, though. You on the Trump train? Because like, you're drinking the oh. Kool-Aid. I'm just saying. Like, so, yeah. The, maybe I'll, talk to a scientist. May, maybe the Kool-Aid a little bit, but not the train. I'm, I'm not riding that train. Huh. Okay. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, we are still in COVID, but we're, we're doing some in-person interviews. But And we're here with Graham Brown, who has a project that is very COVID safe called Through Yonder Window. How are you today, Graham? Good. Thanks good. for having me. <laughs> Wait, there's something that's here. really COVID safe? Yeah. Yeah, we'd like to think so. Let's see how we can mess this up. All right. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge. Wait, what do you do? Uh, well, so I direct uh, Sonder Immersive. It's an immersive theater company that um, integrates uh, dance and theater and audience experience. So normally the work exists within three-dimensional environments where the audience is rather than in a seat watching something on a stage, they're in that environment with the performers getting lost inside of the experience, making choices about who to follow into what room, et cetera. So um, what we did for this one in order to make it COVID-friendly is um, the audience is in their cars, they stay in their cars the whole time, and it's basically a drive-in theatrical experience did you take like like health center theater and like blow it up with like an atomic bomb and then create a new theater system no you imp you exploded like the whole concept <laughs> of a, a theater by the round sure sure it's and 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 i definitely can't take credit for the the it, it's a phenomenon that has existed for the past few years um but but yeah it's this new exciting f version of performance in which it's yeah, it's creating real it's creating real environments, real real spaces. It's like being live inside of a film is the way that um, I sometimes explain it to people, where you're the camera and you choose which way to follow and where to go and what angles to take and things like that. Yeah, I went to it uh, last week. Last uh, was it Wednesday? Was the preview night? Wednesday, huh? Yeah, I went with my friend Tyler, and um, it, it was really cool. I, th I think I was in one of the weaker spots. I was behind a pillar, and I think some of the action took farther down. But uh, I really enjoyed the experience, and it was really cool. Mm. What what is some feedback have you guys been getting? Um, uh, people people have what have we, what feedback have been getting? People have been liking it. There is what you just said is actually common. One of the one of the big things, one of the big challenges that we have is to assure the audience that it's all on purpose. So you didn't have a weaker spot. There, the whole experience involves people moving in and out and there are pillars, and not seeing is a part of the experience as much as seeing is, okay. and being able, to, um, being able to fully embrace that. And it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting, the creative process sort of continues even upon opening of the show because um, it doesn't really exist until people are really there, and, uh, and then we find out. So there's been some things that we've done to, to um, put people at ease or give, give them a deeper context to understand that sort of thing. Um, so... Yeah, it's a it's a where where people are used to being given a real clean. Here's the film, and it just is what it is. Here's the play. You watch the stage. Where it's all of a sudden there's all these variables. FOMO kicks in pretty intensely, and yeah, feeling like oh shoot, I, it's better over there. It's better over there. Um, it tends to kick in. Um, 
and so, so it's our job to to put people at ease and like you know. how do you even handle like the sound and stuff for all of that well for the sound for this one specifically um it it is uh there's sound within the space like just through speakers like normal but you can turn it you tune into 88.1 on your car radio and you can listen to it so okay. we have an fm transmitter yeah yeah drive-in style drive-in style which ironically on friday of last week i went to the drive-in right 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 <laughs> no way that's a that's pretty cool yeah. The, so did you do theater all growing up? Well, too? my background is in dance. So I grew up dancing and I have an undergrad and a master's degree in dance and choreography. And my creative partner, Rick Curtis, he's a dramaturg and a writer. And, um, and so, so that's where this, um, we've sort of found this really strong connection where I'm bringing physical, physical ideas and he's bringing writing. And, and you know, I do some of the writing, he does a lot of the physicality too, but in terms of the training, that's where we come from. And obviously, when you guys started, you had no clue that COVID was coming up. Well, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so how appropriate is it that what you created was something that can become COVID-proof? Oh, well, we created it in direct response to COVID. So our show, The Chocolatier, was supposed to open March 13th. We were ready to go. We were all excited. It was pretty much March 12th that everything became really serious. And so it was a really <laughs> dark moment. And we got together and said, what are we gonna do? And we thought, well, we have a lot of shows we're working on. Do we repurpose one of them? That didn't feel right. And finally, uh, it was Rick who said, well, well, and, and so many people are going digital too. And so we thought, okay, do we try to film The Chocolatier and try to make some choose your own adventure digital online thing? And that didn't seem quite feasible. And it was Rick that said, well, you know, it is working as these drive-in movie theaters still. What if we did something like that? Um, also because the live experience is so key to what we do. And so, um, so we did, and then from there we were like, well, what do we do? And I said, well, maybe we do something really, we take a story that's really recognizable and really obvious, like Romeo and Juliet, for example, kind of like, that would be too obvious, we shouldn't do that one. But, um, th but the people in the room said, no, actually, that would be cool, let's do Romeo and Juliet. There's a lot of physicality there, there's a lot of drama there, it's very recognizable, there's also a lot of room to play. And so, so, so we made the show specifically uh, within this moment, for this moment. And then the next thing about that is that you know, to produce a show takes a long time. A, a, a year is an optimistic amount of time. The way we were able to do this one was a few different things. One, we, um, well, I guess the primary thing is the, 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 well, there's no spoken language, almost no spoken language in the show. So it's all physical, um, almost all physical. And so that reduces the extensive amount of time it takes to write. And again, we picked this recognizable story but then in the rehearsal process, instead of choreographing every given moment, almost the entire show is being, uh, they're improvising. They're, they're, the, the specific moves are being improvised. So whereas you can, whereas it would take a week to create a scene and choreograph the whole thing, we can create the structure, the, the sort of physical score of it. We can put that together in like an hour. And then it's just up to the dancer, the, the performers to let that deepen over time, so it's a very, very, it's a very highly collaborative pro uh, process with the performers, which our work always is. But this is even more so. It was really like, let's plant the seed, and now it's yours, and they take it and run with it. How was the audition process with them? We didn't audition. We oh, we okay. worked. We we we, we gathered. 
it's not that we have a set company, but we gathered people that a we know. So everyone in the show is in the Chocolatier, with one exception, who's the 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 nurse, um, Scout Smith. She was, uh, she's somebody I've been I, I've worked with before though, and I I recruited her when we lost a different performer. But they're all people that we have a that at least I have a rapport with. I want to kind of go a little in depth of the okay, like just touching on. You you had the experience of this whole play, the chocolate was about to go on. Mm-hmm. I know you'd probably have spent hours and hours on on rehearsing and everything for that. I don't think people understand like the dark moments, like when <laughs> all of a sudden you got when COVID came down. Yeah. Do you, can you delve into that a little bit? Like delve, yeah. like go into what your thoughts really were. What was, happened for and me the, personally? Yeah, and then was there a moment when you were like, "There's just we're done, done," mm. and then just the transition to how you you did talk about, well, this we could do this. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. And mostly because I think people don't understand that sometimes yeah. you can have really shitty moments and still get out of it. Yeah, well, that's really interesting you say that because th- to be honest. It wasn't so. I have to back up a little further. We we did the Chocolatier. It was first titled "Thank You Theobromine," and it ran for two months at the end of 2019. And while it received really great critical praise and so forth, just general ticket revenue, ticket sales were very very low. And we put a big risk into that show. So that experience of that show not sailing the way we had expected was so intensely difficult for me to process through because I had put my whole career into this. When COVID came, it was a little bit like, oh, I can deal with this. It, it, was, it was strangely not as depressing as it should have been because I had practiced just a, just a month earlier and I got through that thing. So we'll figure out how to get through this thing. That said, it's not like it was like, this is all peachy and great, but there, it, I, f- I was surprised to experience my own resilience within this tragedy be having gone through the previous personal one um so and then you talked about that you guys realized that um drive-in theaters were still open Mm -hmm. how long a time frame did you think well we're we're fucked we're not gonna do anything (laughs) to actually pulling it out well so um yeah march 13th was when it was supposed to happen that's right around the time that everything got real serious we first just delayed the show by two weeks and in fact my first thought was like oh this will be great this will give us two more weeks to sell tickets and it'll be fine and so we delayed the show by two weeks most of the audience stuck with us as far as the current ticket holders and it was like great well then very soon we see oh no it's gonna be more than two weeks so there's like two or three times now that i've emailed the audience again and be like okay now it's gonna be this time now it's gonna be this time at this point this show is scheduled to open july 31st um, and we'll see. I'm hopeful about that, and also uh, uh, it just depends on how these thing, this COVID thing happens. But um, do you think it made you stronger? Like uh, all, hugely, all, yeah. all these obstacles and everything. Yeah, hugely. Well, and I feel like that's something that Sondra Immersive is really evolving to is this, like, give us a crazy parameter, and we will figure any figure it out. You know what I mean? Like creative problem solving, you know? Yeah. And, and so much because what we do is we make things in spaces for which they were not made to have been made. Does that make sense? So right now we have, it, we have transformed this just nothing parking garage into this magical Verona 
land. And before that, we figured out how to move people through a chocolate shop and et cetera, et cetera. Like there's, uh, we're going to be doing a project at the zoo. We're going to be doing a project at the Dreamscapes art exhibit. Like that one's a little bit more designed for people to go in. But, um, and this, so is the zoo, but we're doing it in a different way than what you would expect. But my point is, um, yeah, there's just something about the stage and the audience in the chairs and the sound system and the light and all the way that it was designed that I'm kind of over. And I like the challenges. I like the interesting creative ideas that come out of those challenges. Because, like, just sounding, I mean, you guys are in a well position for the future. Like, you know, I kind of see, so. like, no matter what earthquakes, it won't matter, like, what comes we'll at you. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And this is at the Gateway. I don't, I'm not sure if we mentioned that yet. So it's in their north parking lot. Did you have a choice to that one or... Um, well, yeah, we, um, yeah, the, the process of location. Yeah. So, that. um, so Jonathan King is our liaison. He's from the Utah Arts Alliance who connected all of this. And that was our first, once we said, okay, let's do a drive-in. The next thing was like, well, what? And I think this was also Rick's idea of, well, parking lots are all empty because nobody's working. So can we just find a parking lot? And so Jonathan went to work at that. And long story short, we landed on the gateway. Um, we did have two options. We had a, a more kind of a smaller one that was, that was, a much more of an isolated visual but we chose the one we're in which is this very large open space so it's kind of like a big fishbowl um the pro is that it 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 does have this vastness kind of a con of it is that you are sort of aware of the other things going on in the other environment you would you wherever you are like if you're in the church you're just in the church and that's you're there all night and you don't really even know what else is going on so with this show you kind of do know that other things are going on and you have to kind of have that level of focus to see to see what it is that you're seeing those people walking in the background are not a part of this play, but yeah. That hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, that hasn't happened, but I do think about that. You can incorporate <laughs> them. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, there has been, once in a while, there's been a, like a security person who's walked by or whatever, but I think that's, can, that is what They're going to start passing out roles for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, growing up, okay, you talked about you were in dance and you yeah. did a lot of that. Did you grow up locally or where? I grew up in Maryland. Um, I have roots in Utah, though. My So Virginia Tanner is a very prominent name in dance, particularly in Utah. Um, uh, she is my great aunt. And she, my mom was one of her students who worked really closely with Virginia. And uh, uh, we moved back east when I was, I was born in Utah, but I was, I was, in, I was back east by the time I was uh, like four or five and in Maryland. And my mom did a dance studio there. And so I grew up in her studio, which followed the same general philosophy as, as Tanner dance or, um, uh, children's dance theater, which is here in town. And then um, what made you want to move back to Utah? Well, well, there's been what, such a moment a, of weakness. It's or? been, it's been a big <laughs> ping pong a moment of weakness. Well, I went to my, I did my undergrad at the U. Um, it's, a, it has one of the stronger dance departments in the country actually. And, um, so I went there and then, um, and kind of got my met, met my met my ex-wife and started our family and started our careers, and then went back east again. I did grad school at University of Maryland in dance, um, and was dancing for a company called Pearson Vidrig Dance Theater back there as well. And then I got hired at BYU, and so we moved back, and I was on faculty at BYU for a while. And now I still live in Provo, and I drive to Salt Lake every day, making crazy shows in garages and chocolate jobs. Have you ever thought of doing it down there in Provo? I mean, 
No, I just don't know that we're going to sustain. I don't know if it's financially viable in Provo. Um, and that's, there's a little bit of a consensus among my contemporaries about that. <laughs> in fact, I mean, um, the, one who, the person who designed this show, his name's Jake Buncher, and he does the boxcar. And he was actually, he used to be in Provo. And um, he's also relocated to Salt Lake. Um, for similar reasons, like he and I, he and I were working together a little bit in Provo, and we both had this like, we're gonna make Provo. I, I used to joke and say, I want to make Provo the next Brooklyn. Like, <laughs> it's it's not Manhattan, but it's pretty cool. And it just I think was at least too big of a task for either of us. So, is there our community just not as broad as it is? Well, up here, there's or? not as many. The population is smaller. Yeah. I mean, but Salt Lake City is really the art hub of the state. Yeah, you know, so. And speaking of, you've collaborated with uh, one of our past guests, uh, Sackerson. Oh, yeah. A few, a few different shows. Oh, good. Yeah. It, yeah. You mentioned uh, you were the choreographer with The Little Prince. What other stuff have you worked on with Well, them? Sackerson, I mean, we're really close. Uh, so um, Sackerson produced my show, Sonder, that happened in 2017, which was, um, we took over the, the old, um, the Bay nightclub. It's now Cafe Melise. Um, yeah, I watched a video of that, uh, and I went to my with my parents to the club, <laughs> so I flashed back to that yeah, when yeah. I watched that video. Yeah, so Sackerson produced that, and that show was really, really successful, and that really started the momentum of what is now Sonder Immersive. We've named the show kind of after, uh, the, we've named the company after the show that got it all started, and also, this is a tangent, but the word Sonder per uh, perfectly describes what we're doing. Um, which it's from the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Um, it's this dictionary that this guy has created. And the word means essentially um, that, ex that moment of realization that everyone all around you has a life as complicated and intricate as your own. And that we're all kind of interweaving throughout one another's stories in these, you know. Um, and so, anyway, so, um, and actually Alex Ungerman, one of the, one of the Sackerson co-producers, he came up with that title um, for that show. Uh, so yeah, they produced they produced Sonder, um, and I've I choreographed Little Prince for for Dave, um, and then Dave Mortensen he was actually our initial when we when we started Sonder Immersive he was the like business manager, um, he's since he's since shifted to you know focus more exclusively on Sackerson and we have a different business manager but but Dave he's helped when I have I've had I've had sound issues Dave has come right around and helped with this. Um, in the parking lot there, like he's been, he is he is an ally. He is a crucial ally. Did you see their one that their walk around mm -hmm, yeah. play? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, me and my wife went to that, and that, that was super cool. And yeah. I saw him help with the sound. Right. The, the Actually, so for that, that show, they yeah. used an FM transmitter to to get the sound to the audience, and it's that same FM transmitter that's being used for. Oh. It's it's Dave in the suitcase. Well, no, we no, have okay. we have it hidden. We have it hidden in the pulpit of the church. Okay. But that's how the audience is getting the sound in in their cars. Very cool. So uh, we're gonna have to hack into your system, and then produce like voices right. from God that's yeah, going to yeah, come yeah. into your play <laughs> and then you're going to be where is this coming from <laughs> <Yeah>. Steve <laughs> well now you now you'll know it's now me now we'll know yeah you, you'll exactly. see me huddled down in a corner somewhere in the in the parking garage yeah huh. with Cameron the security guard right <laughs> <laughs> what's next um well we start within the next week or two um we're 
we're occupying the Dreamscapes art exhibit, um, which is an immersive art gallery in the, in the gateway as well. Um, and that one's going to be a, um, so that one's, so we're doing, we're doing, we had all of these projects lined up that were going to be these large scale things and we are, we're, we're taking three of them as COVID. Well, well, let me say it. We created um, Through Yonder Window specifically for COVID, but then two of our other projects we've repurposed to be COVID friendly and the Dreamscapes is one of them. And the way we're doing it for this one is going to be that uh, is only, there's only two tickets per time slot and they're about five to 10 minutes apart, we're not exactly sure. And you are on your own in the exhibit the entire time with you, a performer meets you and that performer stays with you for the entire time moving through the exhibit as you come into contact and interact with other performers. So at any moment there will be no more than basically four people in any given room at a time, two performers, two audience members. And you move through this journey through the exhibit and come out on the other end. If you just come by yourself, are you paired with somebody or? Oh, no, if you come okay. with somebody, you're separated from each other. Oh, okay. Yeah. One goes into the, f to the front end, one goes into the back end, and you don't ever see each other the whole night, except for maybe somewhere in the middle you'd intersect. So probably not great for a first date. Oh, it's great for a first date. <laughs> it could day. be great no, for a first date. No, it's really day. great. No, the thing is, this, this, and this is another thing about changing expectations and perceptions, is that I think it's the best. Because really, if you're sitting there watching a movie, you're just sitting there, you're pretty much in isolation anyway. You just happen to be a few inches away. This way, the two of you are having completely different experiences. And then when it's over, you can go talk forever about all the different things you saw and, and experienced. And so I think it's the best kind of a date. Good point. We haven't really touched, but uh, so people wanting tickets. Yeah. How do they get tickets and where do they find you? Yeah. So our website is through yonderwindow.com and there's a link for tickets there. And um, uh, I can kind of explain the kind of setup if that's yeah, of interest. Yeah. So the way that it works, and this is information that I've sort of added since, since, since you saw it in terms of that it's going to be conveyed to the audience before they come in. But so it's a very, very large space, and by design, you actually don't see more than you do see because there's so much going on. So you are led really specifically into a spot within Verona, um, and your car is parked at a real specific angle, and it might feel a little funny because there's pillars nearby and stuff, but it's designed for visibility of certain things. And um, there's three major, three main environments, which are the church, the city, and the, the homes, the Montague and Capulet homes right next to each other. Um, and the whole thing is on kind of an angle, so it's, I sort of reference it as top and bottom. At the top is the church, and if you're in the church, your primary perform your the the primary uh, characters that you see the most of are uh, Friar Lawrence and Juliet's nurse. And if you're in the middle, it's Mon it's uh, Tybalt and Mercutio, in the city, and at the bottom in the Montague and Capulet homes, it's Lord Montague and Lady Capulet, and their interactions. Romeo and Juliet pretty much move evenly throughout the entire place. Um, but the, the, these other people's stories are kind of prominent. So I think you were probably in the city? Uh, the church. You were in the church. Oh, okay, cool. And he got very close to my car. Yes. <laughs> my, my hood got buffed. Let's just say that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could have sprayed the windshield wash. Well, no, they they wash your car after they... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was a really fun, um, as far as the back to the creation of it. So yeah. it's like, okay, well, here's Romeo and Juliet, and we know that story. One thing that I really love about this immersive work is the way that it kind of centralizes main characters, and it, and it elevates 
background characters. Because like I said earlier, that word Sonder, this idea that everyone's just as complex and interesting as everyone else. So Romeo and Juliet, I mean, Shakespeare wrote that story and we actually had a lot of fun altering what he originally did. But then we, we had all kinds of fun with Friar Lawrence, the nurse, Mont Tybalt, Mercutio, Lord Montague, Lady Capet. I mean, Tybalt and Mercutio die halfway through. And so they're ghosts the second half of the show and what's that experience for them? And um, yeah, people don't ever go off stage. It's just a matter of whether they're on your stage or not. So it's like, in a, there's like 24 stages, and it depends on which car you're in, which way you're looking. It's this mix between like an immersive theater experience with a theater in the round experience, and almost with kind of a film experience, because sometimes you just see an arm, or you just see it. You know, there's this kind of filmic, filmic design, I think, to it. Sometimes. And so how long is it going to run? Uh, we have tickets out through, through this weekend. Um, if things go well, we hope to extend. We'll just have to see how it goes. Okay. So, yeah. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't asked that you, you want to cover, like past shows or, you mm. know, the, your dream show, like, or is that always changing? Our dream show. Yeah. Well, oh, and we also, if anybody, I, you know, you, you have your core group of guys, but what if somebody wants to audition? Or oh, how yeah, can we, they, we, like, we how don't can have they a core group of, so, um, we, well, my personal, just as an artist, my preference is always to be gathering people rather than auditioning because they're people that I know and I've seen over time and so forth. So that always happens. But for instance, with Dreamscapes, we needed a couple more and we did have an audition. Um, a lot of the current cast of, of Three Under Window, they auditioned for The Chocolatier and we're in, we're in The Chocolatier and then I brought them for this project. So we're, we're accumulating a family. Um, but yeah, we do have auditions and we announced, I mean, so following us on social media, um, is that's the primary way that we get the word out. So, uh, Sonder immersive SLC on Instagram and Facebook. We make, um, like Facebook events will, you know, for the, for an audition, et cetera. For this, this dreamscapes audition, it was a online, um, a, a submission because of COVID. Um, and then we called back a few people to do, uh, to do a to do a you know very small group of people to come and do a live audition, so so yeah I mean we're always interested in accumulating performers and I think what's really fun about the work um, also is that where um, the interest in who we're working with it varies a lot so yeah we want professional dancers but we want professional actors we want kind of everything in between it's a real mix so of the cast of through yonder window it's actually it so happens that only two of them are you know dancers quote and the other six are actors quote and we and i say quote because it is like you know if you have a degree in dance and you have a degree in theater there's that distinction but we are really interested in teasing that out and giving the actors speaking I'm sorry, giving the dancers speaking parts and giving the act, getting the actors moving. I mean, everyone has to do both. And there's, there's, the real, there's a real interest in fluidity between sort of what those things mean. And, and on the subject of fluidity between things, another thing that we are really interested in is pushing past expectations in all of the ways in terms of like gender and age and, and size and... Um, uh, um, I don't know, race or any of those things, ability, disability, any of those things, or we're interested in pushing beyond them. In fact, Rick, um, uh, who he plays the um, Lord Montague, really big guy, um, kind of gruff, big beard. He was going to play the nurse originally, actually. 
and we were going to have fun pushing that. And, and then it, it shifted the way it did. But, um, but yeah, we're really interested. We don't, I, I, once I, I did a lecture once at UVU, and, and it, I realized it was sort of a mistake after I did it because of the, who was in the room I was talking to. But they were, the teacher was asking me, you know, what do you look for? And I was like, well, if you're not a skinny, if you're not a skinny young white girl, you're already a step ahead because I'm so tired of that. And that was the only, that was like the entire population of the room. (laughs) And that's why I reassured them. Well, not everyone thinks that way. There's, I mean, you know, and there's a place, you know, there's a place for skinny white girls too, but we, we love, we love different sizes, different ages, different levels of experience you're bringing to the performance. Um, It all enriches the work a lot. Awesome. Yeah. Dylan's like the professional one. He has like the whole list of, questions it's just to get, get me started I'm, I'm not good off the off the <laughs> off the cuff like you um when you're creating things what kind of situations are most you know creative for you you know do you kind of get an idea at first and then collaborate or do you start cl- with a collaboration at first and mm. you know tweet? the way that it's been working so with Sonder it was a show that I had so Sonder began as just a dance in a faculty concert when I was in grad school and then it evolved into a show and then I got this whole immersive which was just on a stage and then I got this whole immersive thing and and it sort of went and then um, I did a version of it at the Rose Wagner in the Black Box Theater that was sort of partially immersive and then Rick came on and we made it fully immersive so that was one thing that happened it was it was like a six-year burn Um, with the chocolatier I, I, I initially had the idea of, actually my son was Willy Wonka in this middle school play, is the way it started, <laughs> and I just thought, we could do a Wonka, that would be cool, and um, as soon as we got into the venue, which was the Chocolate Conspiracy, um, and talked to A.J. Wentworth, the owner of Chocolate Conspiracy, we got inspired by all of that, and Wonka went away very quickly, and it became that, but um, I guess a shorter answer would be, what we've developed now is that we have a we have an idea. We want to do a chocolate. It's about chocolatiers. We want to do a Romeo and Juliet playoff. We want to do um, this. We want to we want to do an embodiment of the Dreamscapes art exhibit. And then we have the general idea. And Rick pretty much goes in his lair and disappears for a while and writes a draft. And but and write is a loose word because much of what we're doing. A lot of what we do isn't scripted, isn't actually speaking. It's improv. A lot of it is. Well, no, most, not this, this one, this Through Under Window is improv, but um, a lot of it is, is choreographed. It's movement, and that's how we're telling the stories. And so it's, it's sort of a bunch of detailed stage directions a lot of the time, the script is, when there's not actual speaking. But anyway, Rick, Rick pieces that together, and we have these fun kind of wild, complicated um, charts and ways that we track all the different things that are happening all at the same time. Um, and then Rick and I, and then Rick and I get together with that rough draft, and we tease it out and mess with things, and and then we take it to the. Once we have a pretty good um, understanding of it, we then bring the cast in and start building it. And changes continue to happen all the time because it's it exists a certain way in our head, and then it manifests totally different once the actual performers are in the room and things like that. So. Um, it's a pretty, in the ideal world, if I had all kinds of money, I would just, we would just get everybody in the room and it would just be our full-time job and we would just make it from absolute scratch. But for efficiency's sake, we found this to be a nice compromise. Okay. Steve, do you have any more questions for him or should we go into the bonus round? I think we should go into the bonus, but I might pop up. I, I, I do like how 
I mean, just how you are so creative and coming that you're always just evolving. Like, I just think that's yeah. so key. Yeah. And it sounds like, cause I think people, even myself included get so stuck in a rut of like how I need to be doing things mm -hmm. that if anything comes and throws that off and changes, I don't know how to deal with it. And I think a lot of businesses are in the same boat where, you know, what now, what do we do? And I love your approach of how it was what it was and you just kind of, all right, now what? And, and yeah. you kind of go with the flow. I love yeah. that experience. I, th I appreciate that. I, I will say um, tenacity has been, people have often described me as having a lot of tenacity. And that's really stuck with me in reflecting upon that. Like, yeah, it's, you just got to scrap to make this work because giving up is always the much simpler, more obvious choice. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's something that I just can't let go of and it, you know, just keeps, keeps the work going. And, um, and it's been, I mean, it's been the great, so I've been doing this full time as like artistic director of Sandra Immersive for just about a year, depending on where you kind of measure it. And it's been the most stressful and the most just rewarding thing I've ever done. And we are really excited to just keep momentum going keep and keep rolling. keep rolling, keep, yeah. Can I ask you a question about your experience? Oh. Is that allowed? Yeah, go for it. Well, so what, what was for you, like, what was prominent themes or what, what sort of stuck out to you as far as, like, the experience of it? Um, just seeing, you know, those big scenes kind of acted out in in the dancing since the dancing was so prominent uh -huh. in it. I just thought that was really interesting. And then being up in the church part, just, you know, the, the nurse and the, you know, the priest the, interaction. Yeah. Yeah. The, the church is a special spot. It's, it feels very different from the rest of the, the show. It's kind of, cause the priest never leaves the church almost. He, he sort of does. He twice goes down for the funeral things, but it's a real focused look at, at, at the priest. Um, and his experience. And then, yeah, like it, it is, it, it, as the person who created it, it still kind of amazes me when I sit in this spot versus that spot versus that spot, how totally different the experience is because of the things that get revealed and get concealed. And, and then when those two characters die and, and they're ghosts, you know, yeah. wearing, wearing all white, I, I thought that was really interesting too. Mm, cool. Because at first I'm like, why are they taking off your, their clothes? <laughs> yeah. <Whoa. laughs> Where's this going? Right. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they died, and now they're, yeah. you know. Something we're really trying to figure out, and I, I mentioned it earlier, it's a, is figuring out how to give people enough to be able to get into it, but not to give it away so much that, they sort, that it sort of kills it. Yeah. And we've erred on the side of not enough, and we keep learning the lesson that actually giving people more is helpful. And like I said, so, like if you were to come back, for instance, and you guys would definitely be invited, um, not well it's always different because it's a different experience every time based on where your car is but also there's all kinds of additional information and ways that we're contextualizing it so that um people can be able to sink their teeth in and really understand it a level of confusion we're kind of interested in as long as there's payoff on the other end and sometimes that works out and sometimes that's doing it it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough work i mean it is it's not making one play it's making 24 <laughs> you know yeah, and, and we were confused a few times just because we couldn't see. But, yeah, but af after a moment, we we got it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the chocolate 
you know, basically your next one, or is the Dreamscapes next? Well, yeah, so Dreamscapes is next. Um, we start rehearsals, hopefully, we're hopefully, hopefully a week from today we'll start. Um, and then we're going to open sometime in the summer. Um, the zoo, we have a big commission from the Hogel Zoo, which was going to be a very different thing because the commission came before COVID. Now it's going to be this after hours, very kind of exclusive thing, um, which will be also COVID friendly. Um, and we hope to get that going maybe early fall would be awesome, which is also about the time that the Chocolatier will open. Um, so yeah, we have a bunch of things brewing. It's all the questions of kind of COVID and the other logistics. So you're in a chocolate shop right now. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit what the, the story of the Chocolatier is. Oh, I'd love to. In closing. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. So the Chocolatier is, um, it's basically, it's a story about, um, a person who is passionate about something that a lot of people don't think is all that worth being passionate about, uh, chocolate. And um, I think, and I, and I say it that way because I just really relate to it as an artist who has spent an entire life making a career out of something that peop many people would consider a hobby. It's not something a father-in-law is super excited to hear that their daughter's marrying someone doing this. You know what I mean? A chocolatier? Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't know. Maybe, like every, maybe every like father-in-law would want that. Okay, fair enough. Well, anyway, well, but anyway, as a dance artist, Steve, that's not. I'll marry a chocolatier. Um, yeah, totally. But but the other but the other thing about this. I know I'm single. So if any uh -huh. of your father-in-laws want you to marry a chocolatier. Yeah, sorry. I'm still Delete there. that last statement. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's this um, this manifestation of this person and. They, it's represented by five different performers who all play the chocolatier, but it's five totally different in like sort of a tarot kind of a way. They're different manifestations of that. Okay. So one is the kind of the the sort of um, the front man who loves chocolate and has no conflict about it and uh, is so passionate about it. And there's uh, and that one's called the hero. The um, the altruist is one of them who you know, is trying to do everything all at once, trying to take care of their family, trying to make chocolate, trying to, you know, there's, um, it, it, anyway, there, it, there, there's these five manifestations and you as an audience begin with one of them and end with one of them and then throughout see all the different ways that their lives sort of interplay between each other. Um, it, what, one of the kind of the questions of it is like, have you ever felt like there are many different versions of you inside of yourself? I think we all understand that there's part of us that hates our job, there's part of us that loves our job, there's part of us that wants to just run off to the mountains forever. What if those different versions all came out? How would they all interact with each other? Would they get along? Would they fight? Would they fall in love with each other? Would they quarrel? That's basically what happens. Kind of like multiplicity, you know, where there's different I, Yeah, yeah I've heard that. I haven't seen that, but I've heard that, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a good movie, Michael Keaton and right, Andy right. McDowell. Right, right. All right, let's, let's jump into the bonus questions. Okay. What does creativity mean to you? Okay, creativity. The thing that I think of when I hear creativity, I think of making something out of nothing is the first thing that comes to my mind. Like being able to see interesting things uh, out of that which m one may not find very interesting. Giving a spin to it or yeah. know, creating the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. That and I do think of problem solving because of this, <laughs> this, this show we just made <laughs> where we <laughs> ran miles of power cord into a parking garage. <laughs> and the next one is, who is your favorite Muppet? 
So this is like any Jim Henson created thing. Sesame my favorite Street, Muppet? Dark Crystal. You Labyrinth. can go with whatever Muppet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I don't have a good answer to that one. Um, I'm going to think of a three. way better answer to <laughs> okay. that tomorrow. But okay. right now, I think immediately. You'll phone it in. I know. You're going to phone in the answer tomorrow. I think, oh, I'm going to regret this, but I immediately think of Kermit the Frog. Uh, but that's primarily because I went to University of Maryland and, and Jim Henson went there and Kermit is just everywhere. And so that's the one that comes to my mind. But well, that, and you're running the show, and Kermit ran the Muppet Show. Yeah, exactly. There you go. There you go. Me and Kermit, and he's and he's he's timid and awkward, and maybe I am too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? Who would I like to play me? Yeah. Oh man. Well, <laughs> I think um, so. People have told me that I look a little bit like I've gotten Jude Law and I've gotten Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I don't know if either of them would necessarily be the choice. Um, Jude no, Law. No, they're both Jude really talented, cool. so yeah, I think they're totally. good. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, Dumbledore, Jude, Jude Law, I, I, I see it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I um, Yeah, actually, I would take uh, – the more I think about it, the more I think actually Justin Timberlake is pretty incredible. <laughs> he, like, did the whole boy band thing, but he's yeah. also, like, really smart and really funny and clever and can sing and can dance really well. And can act. I, I thought he was great in the Facebook movie. Mm-hmm. I think they would both do good for you. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what we've got. So just, let's, let's just review where people can get tickets and sure. find you on social. Yeah, so through yonderwindow.com. Uh, is the website for this show. Uh, SonderImmersive.org is our company's website, which really just takes you straight to Through Yonder Windows website or to the Chocolatier's website because those are our two live shows at the moment, shows in which tickets are live, I should say. Uh, Sonder Immersive SLC is is the Facebook and Instagram, which Sonder is spelled S-O-N-D-E-R, Immersive SLC at the end on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and Twitter, too, although I have to admit that I don't get there that often, but I think we are on there. <laughs> I think it's just called Sonder. I think it's just called Sonder SLC, no, no immersive. On I Twitter. always have to ask Dylan what my own, like, um, Twitter accounts and Instagrams are, because I'm just like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Chocolatized SLC, right. <laughs> which came from your TV show, and then hatch. Chocolatized, that's hatch. what it is? Chocolatized. That's cool. I like and then it. I would throw cocoa at people. Nice. You've been chocolatized. Yeah. There's, it's kind of, I baptized a, them in cocoa. There's, I mean. there's, there's some of that in our show. I mean, okay, they're throwing good. it on themselves, not on the audience. Uh, uh, you may want to expand that. I mean, I mean after COVID scares are a yeah. little like over. Right, exactly. Oh, man. Well, and that's a real thing about this whole immersive um, uh, um, work is that it is by design intimate, that one of its key elements is that it is, is intimacy. There are scenes in which you are in a tiny little room sitting just right next to an audience member in a little couch. Or, or you know, there, there's a scene in The Chocolatier where, an aud- where a performer takes an audience member and asks them to close their eyes and they guide them all over the space with their eyes closed. So they're obviously doing that physically. So, ha- so I don't know, is there, are we moving to a post-human touch like, like c- c- culture? If so, that's really scary. Pre- contact improvisation is a is a. What are your thoughts? A, I don't know. I don't think so because I think we're gonna. I think we'd, we'd lose our humanity if we do. I mean, that's the thing. That's something that I think has been really 
um, I think that's a part of the passion to continue to make this work um, is that human contact, human interaction, live experiences are key and vital and we hunger for them as our lives are more and more and more and more digital. And now with COVID, there's a, there's a, there's a health reason why we're more and more and more digital. And that's why I feel all the more to be passionate about let's figure out how to have live connections. And I'm witnessing people, I mean, it's, it's hard to know on a health level what's good and what's bad. Well, I think, to, anyway, I'm seeing people just kind of, like there have been a few, there have been a handful of times over the past few days that somebody has given me a hug and they're like, I just can't not do it anymore. You know what I mean? And I think there's something about that. So yeah, I think we're gonna come above this. I think that we're not all gonna turn into robots. I think we're gonna stay humans. We're gonna figure out how to move past this and and touch each other. And I think that's important in what you're doing because yeah. actually I think that the arts and like theater, I mean, without that, like what do we have? Like, I mean, yeah. what is society without art, without music, without exactly. all of these things that add to your day to day? Like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Like, I think it's going to go the other spectrum. Yeah. Well, and we haven't gotten into this at all, but if, if all of this wasn't enough, just when the show was opening was when um, all the protests started happening. They finally started happening. I've been waiting like a decade for this, but finally it hit that, it hit that fever pitch. And it does again beg the question, why are we gonna make this show? Like, wh why are any of us doing any of this? I was actually talking to AJ, and he was just like, yeah, I don't know, like I'm trying to make chocolate, uh, you know what I mean? Um, it's this key cultural thing that's happening, you know? Um, I was uh, thinking about that today, and yeah. like the NBA players, you know, some of them are talking that they don't want to go play because... Because basketball feels trivial now or something. Yeah, and yeah. I actually, I believe my role is more important now than it's ever been. Exactly, and, I do too. And, and I think that people do need a place to go and forget all the shit that's going on yep. in the world. And, and I, process all the shit that's going on too. I think that art is a key, even if the work isn't by design about the Black Lives Matter movement or inequality or whatever, there are, it's, it's people trying to figure out how to live their life and that's super hard. Human, being a human is a hard thing and you put, and what, and being able to express that through art gives individuals the capacity to process that through the lens of their own experience. And we can and celebrate all that. We can, we can celebrate, totally celebrate all that everybody's protesting and, mm -hmm. and you know, making sure that there's equality for everybody and yeah. I mean, that's the reason there's actually a beautiful scene in The Chocolatier where the, the hero, who's the one who is unconflicted, and the rejector, who hates everything about chocolate, have this whole argument. And the rejector's like, well, what about there's people suffering all over the world and all of this stuff, and you're, you're focusing on chocolate. And the hero's like, well, what about joy? What about, you know, and it feels like we, we must do these things because of how hard the world is, because we're not going to we're not going to make it through. And so, yeah, I think that, this, I mean, this whole idea of essential, essential workers or whatever, I, I, of course I understand the literal meaning of that in terms of the health issue, but on a broader use of the word, everything we're doing is so essential. And if you're not making chocolate and if I'm not making art and if you're not doing this podcast, if we're not, if the, I mean, all of the, the different things that all the people are doing are key well, maybe not all the people, all the things that all the people are doing, but. <laughs> but there's a key to, you know, what's really important. And I do think that what COVID has taught me 
is to reanalyze what's really an important to me yeah and you know there's so much superficial stuff and bullshit and you know the family relationships and the things that are more important to me have actually come back and mm-hmm. that's what covid has allowed me to see yeah what's really important and what's i can go without yeah so. same no yeah. graham thank you yeah thanks thank you. I, i've got to i want to come see your play yeah please do yeah thursday friday saturday Theunderwindow.com. And this episode will be out Thursday. I'll have it out Thursday. Oh, okay, morning. great. So that will help promote it. Today. Whatnot. Today, <laughs> tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah. And with any luck next week, it just depends on a, I, on a lot of factors. I hope so, because a lot of people need to see it. It's a really cool experience. Cool. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks, Graham. Yeah. Thanks. Bye-bye. Ciao. Adios. Bye-bye. podcast is done man <laughs> <laughs>